This is Ian from Autofiber, manufacturer of microfiber detailing products. Welcome to the Rennie Doyle podcast. Good morning, Ian. How's it going? Pretty good, Rennie. Good. How's life? Pretty good, man. Just hung over after that drinking game last night watching the debate. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it, and I hate to go into politics, but uh, wow. I mean, right? you know, it was like I just sat there at the end and I was like, uh, yeah, I mean. Definitely entertaining. Well, I think that tells you, though, where our society is, because doesn't society kind of act like that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, seriously, go into our own industry and look at what happens on the on the forums and member areas and stuff like that. People conduct themselves just like that. They're just big babies. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what I, I think was that's... thinking. I, I thought it was like a, a live Facebook feed. Yeah. Right. Like, geez. Not ours, though. Not ours. But that's why. Yeah. That, well, that's why I think these kinds of things are good for the industry. Right. You can see people have normal conversations. That's um, exactly it. Act nice. I can tell you one thing, you have way more impact on my life than the president. So that's one thing that. Well, th well, thank you. And, and, and likewise, you know, I'm reading your book that you gave me. I'll send it back and I've got a couple I'm going to take and I'm going to hand deliver to you because uh, I'm going to come down and see you next. Yeah. Uh, I've read a couple new ones, but no, it's, you know, the impact you've had, you know, every time there's things that you've said to me. And, and I think this is what's cool about, um, open-minded people that that aren't that have buried their egos i mean a lot of people you and i are very uh assertive um probably maybe i, I can't speak of you I, you've never come across cocky at all <laughs> but i'm sure there's people i mean there's a lot of people that talk shit on me yeah uh, and that's great i love it you're talking about me you know what i'm saying but here's yeah. the deal is that we've learned guys like you and me chris people around us there's guys that i meet that other people get my ear and they're like, hey, you know, this guy's, you know, this guy's such and such. And you kind of believe it. Then you meet him and like, you're like, what are they talking about? That dude's like, you know, yeah. the greatest in the world, you know? And so I'll be honest is, is um, I had somebody talking shit from uh, about Paul from Chemical Guys. Yeah. And it turns out that the same dude had Paul's ear and was talking shit about me to Paul. <laughs> and then Paul and I met and we're like, where have we been our whole lives? We got along really well and we liked each other and a lot of respect, yep. dig what he's done. And so it's the same with you. You know, it's, 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 uh, we, I've never, I've always admired you from far. Cause I mean, look at your cute, you know, uh, but a smile, million dollar smile, but you know, it's just, it is, man. I, I mean, I hate to get back into politics, but what can we take away? Uh, we're going a whole different direction, by the way. Well, here's what I think. It, and it's one thing that I, which, is a bummer about COVID and missing all these events where, you know, people come together and meet face to face. Right. So there's definitely something missing when everyone's interacting over the internet, you know, that personal factor, you know, absolutely. You know, so what can we take away from last night that we can learn from, okay, presidential debate, two of the most powerful men in the world, um, and, 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 and Wallace trying to, um, well, first off, you suck Biden's pee-pee. 
that real, you know, I, I, I hate that. If you're going to, I mean, just come out and just, I mean, I would have more respect for him if he came out and said, Mr. President, I'm not, you're not my guy. I don't like yeah. you. So I'm going to play a little favoritism. Yeah. I actually liked it. You know, if he would have just came out and said that, but what can we take away from, from our industry on how we conduct ourselves and how to not look like that? Because look at detailing's already got some black eyes. Yeah. You know? We're coming out of a, of kind of the dark ages of detailing, if you would. So what can we take away was what I was asking myself last, not just in our industry, but in small business is dude, um, stay patient and don't, don't try to trump each other. I hate, you know, no pun yeah. intended, but don't just, just keep calm. I, I just didn't seem like either one of those guys, although I think Trump kind of, I think that was his plan out of the get go. Yeah. You know, was to, to get him riled up. But what can we, you know, my biggest thing, my takeaway was damn man. Hey, when I'm talking to people, listen, shut your mouth and listen. And they come back with, counter him because biden didn't answer a lot of direct questions Trump yep. didn't answer there's a couple direct ones that he never got to how many times in conversations do we just not answer what the people are asking us well i tell you i do it all the time it's something that i self-reflect on often you even just with i like to debate right so you do my friends yeah you're <laughs> so, so i walk you online you're 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 a uh you are, I mean, were you on debate team or something in like school? <laughs> I should have been. I just, so to me, debating and arguing, like lots of times I'll take a side that I don't necessarily agree with um, because that, you know, it's almost like it's where the rubber meets the road and you can throw an idea out there and test it against other people. And that's the best way to learn, right? So like with the debate, I didn't think it was that heated of a debate and you know the decorum probably wasn't the best but man in a lot of ways like like when you get two people that are have different views sometimes it devolves into that yeah and yeah I, you know even with friends man like so you know i maybe i don't come off as cocky but my friends certainly think i do and i have a problem same thing listening right um and interrupting and trying to be too forceful with my ideas. Um, so. Uh, well, a lot of times, so how, how old are you? I'm, I just turned 41. Yeah, you know, you'll comment with age. Um, well, I've gotten so much better. With yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So, you know what you'll do is, is now is I love to go on it. I love to go on at night uh, when I see somebody that, you know, I, I like taking on even people that have got the same opinion of me, but they're loud mouths. Yeah. I love to I love to put a nuclear bomb, set a nuclear bomb off right before they go to bed, you know. <laughs> and just just so you know, I mean, I know that's wicked, but you know, I mean, it, it's it's you'll 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 get more tactical as you get older. Does that make sense? And you're a smart guy, so you're gonna. No, be, I'm getting definitely, you know, more tactical. It's but it's not easy to do in the social oh, media no. world, right? Like yeah. we all have opinions and want to kind of say what we think and influence other people but as a business owner you have to be careful about what you say and who you say it to and um, you know i got to say when you're testing ideas like i would love to be completely free with you know oh. throwing out whatever idea but it's just it can be dangerous to your business yeah um, no me too it's the same way and it, unfortunately some people do do that or that are that are uh entrepreneurs and it's dangerous 
you know, it's yeah. really. Yeah, you know, but there's a huge fine line that you have to continue right. to navigate. Um, yeah. And I don't, it's one of these things where I don't think there is, there's no best answer. Nobody has the right answer on how to handle all this stuff. You can yeah. see even the top candidates for president have no idea oh. where the line is drawn. They've crossed it ridiculous. Well, hey, let's talk about something that, I, that hit me last night. Yeah. Was, uh, you know, I, we just went to our first live event. We had 30 plus people there. Um, it was, it was strange because it was so new. I actually, to get up and speak in front of 30 people, you yeah. know, it, you know, normally it, I mean, that'd be nothing. I was a little nervous. Um, it was different, but I found what you just keyed off of what you said earlier. See, I'm listening, um, yeah. that the need for connection that night, that was Monday night was massive people. Yeah we're dying to get close to each other and, you know, not like in a physical way, but even in that way, I didn't see, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people wearing masks or there wasn't a lot of, I'm not going to judge anybody. Um, I'm not going to say how I feel or don't feel about that. Everybody's got a different opinion, but what they the communication was hungry. Does that make sense? People 100%, were hungry yeah. to sit across from each other yeah. and talk. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And so I hope that we can get that going. Now, the thing that was different is, you know what I heard? Now, a lot of where we were, it was Latinos. I'm going to say that probably 70% of them were immigrants. And the message of the day was, we are so busy, we can't handle it. So where these candidates are saying that blue collar is suffering, I, I'm sure there's industries that are. But hey, man, right now to me, if you know, come man, there's a lot of people making, there's some people making money. No, I agree. I mean, my business is going gangbusters better than it's ever done. Um, and just talking to detailers out there uh, across the board, like people are just busy, busier than ever. I don't know how to explain it necessarily. I think it might just be too complicated, but you, you know, even yeah, I, we kind of have to ride that wave, you know. Yeah. So. Now, have your have your has your buying habits, uh, spending habits changed in the last six months? Personally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like we used to go out to dinner a lot more often. We would go to sporting events, baseball games, and. Um, Are you replacing that with other things, though? I mean, um, you I'm, know, yeah, yeah. In some respects, right? So, like. I like my hobby is music. So I bought like a couple extra guitar pedals and yeah. right. So, because that's what I'm spending more time doing is, you know, practice, you know, practicing my hobbies. So. Hey, uh, that, that reminds me, I got an idea. You and I offline need to talk. I got yeah. an idea about music. Um, you know, ours has too. It's like, it's, you know, we're looking at, uh, we are looking at getting an RV. Well, that's interesting because they yeah. went from having a, I mean, overflow of RVs to where, you know, the most desirable ones are gone. You can't even yeah. get, and then to set up a, a range, a, if the, if the, if the RV area is open to get a spot is almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, you know, San Diego, I don't know if you're seeing it down there, but in big bear, you were just up here, yep. uh, you know, stores that sold 20 kayaks last year, sold 60 or 80 this year. Uh, yeah. Our town is flooded with people uh and they're spending money even i mean the restaurants yeah they're hurting but 
Um, you know, our own buying habits like you, we, we're, we're not, we're not, you know, not naturally trips are down. Uh, we're not going anywhere that way. Uh, we're not going out to dinner as much, which is actually, we, we've learned to enjoy it. You know, yeah. we go back and support our, our local restaurants when we can, but, um, you know, we're saving, we're still like, we're having concrete work done right now. Um, you know, we're, we're buying things. We're, we're doing home improvement projects. Uh, so all that spending is happening. So I, I don't agree. With the, I, I didn't agree with some of that put out last night that everybody, everybody's hurting and our, we're in a recession. I think we're bouncing back super fast. Yeah, I think, well, I think a lot of people are. Um, and the same thing too for our business, right? So business is good. And so we've been investing in ways to become more efficient. Um, a big part of our business is just being efficient, you know, shipping out products and receiving products. So um, we've reorganized our warehouse completely. We're, you know, adding new, like, you know, giant ladders to reach the tops of the um, pallet racks and talking about getting pallet wrapping machines. And uh, Good for you. so really, I mean, we, any way that we can spend money to become more efficient, um, that's what I've been looking at um, a lot. So and it's improved, it's improved our business, right? So it's an opportunity, right? We could sit back and kind of like, stack our acorns or whatever and we're doing that too but um you also have to you have to spend to become more productive absolutely yeah i agree so let's go back in line so um yeah. how, how, how long have you been in business so i started in 2001 right when i got out of college so i'm i just turned 41 and i got out of college in 2001 i was 21 and I wanted to start a business because I had no idea how business worked. Like I didn't understand what people did at an office all day or out on the job, even though I'd had jobs, right? Like I worked in a restaurant since I was 14. My parents were entrepreneurs and had a print shop and I worked in their print shop. So I always I know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I a family of, of, of business owners. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, like just, kind of ingrained into me the, all the virtues of entrepreneurship. So, um, wow. and it really is, he's the reason that um, I even have this specific business um, because he, you know, he was one of the first people in America selling microfiber. So I remember the first day when he came home, it, it was like 1995 or something. And I was in like 10th grade and he was like this miracle towel microfiber. He was like, so gung ho about it um and he started a whole business um and that's kind of so when i got out of college it was 2001 september 11th happened like the economy was kind of shaky ground i couldn't find a job um so i bought a couple cases of microfiber built a website um started selling on ebay and because i knew i wanted to start like this was the beginning of e-commerce right so i wanted to um i knew that was where you know the future was um and so i just started and it just kept growing and growing it's still to, to the you know people still ask me friends from that i haven't seen in 10 years they're like are you still selling towels ah. <laughs> hey isn't it funny how you know you look back and and you know i've got i've got 13 years on you yeah. you look back we 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 watched 
a revolution happen with online. I yeah. Mean, literally. And it's funny because when I, when I saw it happening, I knew at some point back in 97, uh, I knew I was like, okay, I got to jump in on this, you know, yeah. some, or whatever we're doing, we've got to take, and it's got it. It's, this is going to where it's going to, it's going to go that direction. So, so flash back to that. Do you remember the first time you touched a microfiber towel? Oh yeah. Sensation. Absolutely. Was it, it was, it was probably 95 and 10th grade when my dad brought it home, he was like, and we thought he was crazy, right? So this right. is another, we just kind of laughed at him. He wanted me to help, you know, help with the business. And even all through college, he was trying to get me to help with it. And I was kind of, hey, you know, the thing, the crazy thing is, um, you know, it wasn't used in automotive at all at no. that time. People were scared of the product because it's polyester right? Polyester had a bad name. Everyone was into um, like Egyptian cotton towels. And um, so huck, huck towels were big back then. Yeah. Yeah. Huck towels. Yep. So, um, so what, 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 um, how has, how has business changed? Go back to the early part of the decade. Let's go back to, you know, 2004, 2005 in that time frame. Um, you know, it seemed like 08, you know, right before 08 and 08 happened in, in a lot of people think that 08 got stagnant. I think there's a lot that went on that it's like a coffee, you know, a coffee pot that percolated. And I think yeah. that we got creative on how to survive and stuff. But go back over and let's talk about business back before 08 and then business now and how, 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 how things have, have changed for you. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot has changed. Number one, I've changed more than anything just from learning and getting experience, right? Because when I started, I had pretty much zero experience. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I kind of, looking back, I maybe I was like a baby that was thrown in a pool and had to figure out how to swim, right? So right. a lot of times I, I feel like I barely survived. Uh, number one, it's easier to do a lot of things now. You know, the technology's gotten better, so. I can't tell you how many different versions of websites I've built and oh. it's just so much easier to do now. So from a technology perspective, it's way easier. Um, and there's just so many other services out there. Um, and then detailing's become way more advanced than it was like just the explosion of products. Do you think um, it's become easier or more difficult? For detailing? Yeah. I mean, maybe, I think it's probably become easier once you get past a certain threshold of understanding. But I think that to start with, there's way more information out there. So you have to wade through a bunch of BS, like to find what is real and true. And there's a lot of misinformation. So um, I think, you know, what, one of the best parts about detailing is that the barrier to entry is low and there's all this information out there to learn. Um, but it's also, it's a double-edged sword because it can be, you know, it's hard to, there's just too much to know. Um, and there's too many options. And so a lot of times there's, um, and I get this all the time, paralysis by analysis, right? So people are like, trying to decide between the best sealant or coating or towel or whatever. And in a lot of ways, you can't learn that stuff 
by reading on the internet. You know, no. you have to actually use the products, test them and evaluate and gain that knowledge yourself. Um, so in that way, it's more difficult. Um, I, so when it, comes to, when it comes to microfiber, it's become easier, right? So back in the beginning, we were trying to convince detailers and automotive enthusiasts and everyone that it was a better product. Now that is not part of the equation at all. There's, that's just, we don't have to convince anyone that microfibers, what we need to use. Um, so. Well, speaking of that, I mean, you're very innovative. We've got, matter of fact, we, I owe you a, a conference call. You've got some great products uh, that you've, you've been on the cutting edge of designing and coming out with. Yeah. That are really amazing. Um, and, and so what, what competition, um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they hate their competition or they're afraid of their competition. Um, how, I how love my competition. <laughs> I love the competition. Um, why? And in some ways you, cause in a certain ways, like you try to make it so that you're, there is no competition, even though I like the competition, um, like I cannot compete with the rag company in terms of like the media that they create and the message that they send. Like for me to try to compete with that, um, it would take all my time and effort and I just don't have the same skill set that they have. Um, so in that respect, you know, my competition isn't my competition because I'm not trying to compete with them on that level. Huge. So for I'm trying to compete, you know, in terms of, you know, coming up with innovative products, right? So I think I feel like that's my edge is the fact that I've been around these products for so long, microfiber and dealing with detailers, um, that I have an edge in, you know, creating new products. Um, so I kind of feel like you know, my business is kind of like, and me, I'm kind of like a conduit between um, the detailers and the factories that are, you know, in the whole production system of creating microfiber products. I dig that. So it, so I feel like, um, you know, and they're, everyone's going to catch up, right? It's like a cat and mouse game. But at this point, I feel like there isn't really competition for me you know, trying to create and innovate new and better products. You know, it's funny that the group on Monday night, I told my same thing. I said, listen, there is no more secret sauce. Yeah. He's got their own secret sauce. And I said, you know, you guys think that, Oh, I'm not going to talk to the other detailer because you know, he's going to learn my secrets. Well, no, he's not, you know, I yeah. mean, things that you're going to keep close to your chest. There's other things that you're going to openly talk about. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing is, is just if by, by you having respect for your good competition, as, as you obviously do, I think it just helps propel both of you, you know, to new levels. hundred percent. And plus like, so even through the history of my business, um, some of my um, best, com best customers were my competition to begin with. So even before, the rag company came around. Um, I made a decision a long time ago not to fight with my competition and try to bring them in and try to, you know, either make them my customers. And sometimes I buy from my competition, 
right? So, um, you know, there's healthy competition and then there's also, you know, cooperation. And if you can make both of those work in parallel, um, it's just better for the business. And plus you're not waste, there's a lot of wasted energy um, worrying about competition or thinking that your competition, you know, trying to hide from your competition. I need to spend my energy coming up with ways that I can make my business better, right? Yeah. And make better products and make myself better. So what, what, what have you gotten right in business? Name something that you've gotten right. Um, so man, the number one thing is I never gave up, right? So Love when it. I, when I have made mistakes or failed, like I just never quit. Right. So I think that's kind of why people are surprised. Like people that I've known that, you know, you're still selling towels on the internet. It's kind of just a goofy thing. Um, but it turned out and it's turning out well. Um, so, and to me, like I am constantly trying to learn. So, um, so I've, I've been able to evolve um, with the changing uh, industry and the changing just economic conditions. Um, so one of the best things I did was switching from like a product focus mm -hmm. to more like focusing on the brand and the idea and the marketing. Because um, in a lot of ways, like I used to just, we were just trying to sell microfiber, right? But there's something deeper behind it. And that's kind of the idea with autofiber was to create a brand that people attached to the products. Because uh, in the beginning, like, great, we had great be products, better, you know, quality or whatever we would say than everyone else, because we have always been quality focused. Um, but to convey that message is hard, right? Because uh, there's been an explosion of different types of microfiber. So, you know, 10 years ago, we would come out with a product that was really good, innovative, and then other companies would copy it, um, but they would make an inferior version, but it would look exactly the same and feel exactly the same. But then when you got to use it, so there's no way for the customers to um, differentiate, you know, what is quality from not. And so when I saw that happening, like over and over again, that's when I really decided to put a lot of effort into the brand of autofiber, which is something bigger than just the product, right? So I kind of think of the brand and the business um, as its own product, right? Like autofiber is a product that someday, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 years, you know, I can sell that brand or, and it's also an asset to the business, right? So not only are the products an asset, of the business um, and the designs, you know, and the physical inventory that we have, like those are assets on the balance sheet, right? But, you know, the, as we build the brand into a name that people in the industry understand and recognize, um, it's, there's actually a value to that goodwill of that brand. Oh, absolutely. Hey, have you, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead in with this question by giving you an example. And this, yeah. we didn't talk about this. So, you know, when I was, when I came back into detailing, um, you know, when I started detailing when I was a kid, I was so proud because I was self-employed. You know, a lot yeah. of my friends were out busting their butts at fast foods, you know, jobs and that sucked, 
you know, to me. I mean, hey, they're working. I appreciate that. But it just wasn't for me. But then when I got older and I bounced back into detailing, um, there was a part of me that was ashamed of it. There was a part of me that was ashamed to tell people I was a detailer. So I started coming up and this is, it actually helped me build our brand and our business and, and, and I think make an impact in the industry because I came up with other things to do because when people would ask me, Hey, what do you do? Instead of saying a car detailer back then, it was like, you know, they're, yeah. they, it, was, it, it wasn't a good thing. We were scumbags, you know? Yeah. And so I'd say, um, I make cars perfect. I'd come up with different things. Has there ever been a time that like when, when people ask you, what do you do? And you're like, I really don't want to tell them I sell towels. Oh man. When I, when I was younger, like in the early days. So th- it's kind of funny. Cause, um, it was awesome to be like in my early twenties, going out to the bars, coming home and checking my email and seeing that I got orders, right? Like I'm out partying with my friends and I'm getting orders, right? But it was also, there was a problem for me because you know, when you're out at the bar, people are like, what do you do? And it was hard to explain, look, I sell towels on the internet. Um, so sometimes, so yeah, I was kind of ashamed of it in a certain respect because it wasn't like, you know, towels just aren't a very glamorous thing. Right. Um, uh, but so you passed that. Yeah. So, I mean, I got past it by, it took me a long time to get past it. Part of it was, um, you know, just getting more comfortable with myself and realizing that um, I was kind of on a road that other people didn't understand, right? Not having a corporate job. Um, uh, man, but how did I necessarily get past it? I think in a lot of ways, um, maybe success, maybe make it. I mean, so here's the thing too. Like I, like I'm pretty successful. The business keeps growing like 20% a year. Um, but I still feel like I'm not fully successful. Uh, Like I had a friend ask me the other day, or we were talking about business. He's a business owner. And I was like, look, man, I feel like I'm at like 25% capacity, maybe of my full potential. Um, So I, man, the upside for me is huge, but man, how did I get, because now like, I'm so, I'm happy to come to work every day. Like I'm proud of the business I've built. Yeah. So I'm excited about it all. Um, And I think a lot of it was, you know, so there's this book called start with why, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. Yeah, we talked about that when you're up here. Yeah, yeah. So that book um, kind of changed the my framework on it. I had to search deep, like, why am I in this business, right? Rather than just be selling towels, you know, or microfiber. Um, and really, like, when I go back and think about it, what I wanted to, when I was a kid, like I wanted to be an inventor. Like I would see those invention um, uh, infomercials like invent now or whatever. And I would be like, I wanted to know how people invented stuff. Um, And so man, every day I spend at least 10 or 20 minutes, like cutting up pieces of microfiber and trying to come up with drawing pictures to come up with new solutions to problems and coming up with, um, having the factory make samples or even me hacking together something to test. Um, so I'm constantly um, searching for new ideas. Um, and really when it comes back to it, that was like, I'm fulfilling my deep 
childhood desire to like be an inventor. That's cool. Hey, you know, funny story. This is a great story to share with people. So I'm a young man. I just sold a business. I went to work for corporate America and uh, I meet a gentleman and he was older and he was wise and he was interesting and he was loaded. I mean, loaded. So he, I was, we, we were in the environmental industry and uh, he owned, he owned five gas stations here in Southern California. I mean, really nice uh, shell uh, gas stations. And we we're looking at doing all the replacement for the super fun and cleaning his sites up. But he had a boodle. His next door neighbor was Ronald Reagan at the time. <laughs> so that tells you the kind of money he had. He had a yeah. ranch right next. It literally butted up next to Reagan's ranch. So I kept asking him, man, what, where'd you make your money? And he said, I pushed ice cream. That's all he keeps saying to me is he pushed ice cream. So uh, Diane and I are at his 85th birthday and his son's there. And I said, every time I talk to your great family, I said, every time I talk to your dad, I ask him, I'd love to learn. He's given me so much information on being a man and being an entrepreneur, but he, he keeps telling me he pushed ice cream to make it. And he goes, you don't know the story? And I went, no. And he goes, let me tell you the story. And this is where you're never, don't ever be ashamed of what you do, was the moral yeah. of the story. Because here's what he did. He gets off the boat, World War II. And he gets off the boat at Long Beach. And he hasn't had an ice cream in three and a half years. So he goes looking for an ice cream. Well, he goes up to this place. He buys an ice cream. And he has an idea. He says, if I, I had to come find this ice cream, what if I took and put, took ice cream down to the docks where there's tens of thousands of service members coming off the boats every single day and sold them an ice cream. So he went back and built a bike and attached a ice chest to it. And he bought ice cream at that place for wholesale. So he went back down to the dock the next day and he said within 20 minutes, he was sold out of his ice cream bars. So he rode the bike back, went back again. Well, make a long story short, he decided, hey man, I can turn this into a business. So the next couple of days he went back and he built three more bikes. We well, went back down and he went to, he was selling his ice cream and he would get, he would look for people that knew how to communicate that talk. And he'd say, hey, how would you like a job? And they say, doing what? Selling ice cream. So he got other GIs to go back and ride the bikes down the docks as the GIs were coming off selling him ice cream. Well, he became so successful pretty soon he bought that ice cream shop within months. Yeah. Well, then within a year, he bought the ice cream company and he was pretty much the inventor of ice cream trucks. Yeah. And so what, like, that kind of reminds me of the, the McDonald's story a little bit, like, was he really in the ice cream bit? Because he started selling ice cream, but then he really he had to make bikes, right? So then he hey. became he got into the bike business, and then he got into the truck delivery business, right? So was he really was it really an ice cream business? Amen. It's just the same way. Are you really a towel business? No, I mean no, not really. Like more were kind of like a tech business, right? That I, I kind of think of it in those terms, because um, man, we use so much different software and technology, like the whole business is built on a whole structure of- It's huge. Internet technology. Right? Yep, it, it's huge. Without that, you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be where you're at. No. You know, I always no, tell no. people when they're here, when I'm, when I'm talking to them, I'm coaching them, 
listen, man, the U factor and everything's marketing. The best selling book on Amazon is not the best written book. It's the best marketed book. Yeah. Yep. Simple as that. So yeah. what have you gotten wrong in business? How'd you fix it? Um, what I've gotten wrong was kind of the opposite of what I've gotten right. Like I, on a lot of good ideas, I quit too soon because they were not being successful. So like I've lacked follow through. Like, so for example, I started the first auto fiber, man, I bought that domain in like 2002 and I built a website. Like you can go back into the Wayback machine on, uh, on the internet and see like the first auto fiber site from 2003. And I just didn't follow through. So imagine like how much more market share I'd have and how much more well-known the brand would be if I had to like follow through with that project through that time. Why did you follow through? So, you know, I got, so the way the business was going, um, like I just started. So really when I was trying to sell towels, I actually wasn't trying to start a towel business. I was trying to start like a web design business. So I built a couple different websites. Um, uh, and so, but the towel thing, like it was right at the beginning of microfiber. I was selling a lot of towels. It was crazy to be selling towels night and day, shipping out orders every day. Um, and so the business just grew so fast that it, the wholesale part of the business just started to take over. And I didn't want to compete with my um, customers um, huh. where in retrospect, it was just a huge blunder, right? To worry about that factor. Um, and I kind of like outsmarted myself or whatever and made a really bad decision. Um, so I would say that was the number one mistake. Number two was it took me way too long to start hiring people and outsourcing the work. Like even up to a couple of years ago, I was shipping orders, working forklifts, unloading containers, answering all the phones. Like I was if, just trying to do. If today too much. it's so easy to outsource a lot of things, I tell people, you know, one of the biggest hiccups with with entrepreneurs is the financial side of things yeah and yeah. i tell people all the time man hey man that's what cpas are for that's what bookkeepers are for oh man i can't tell you how many hours i have used to spend at the end of the year like literally like 100 hours i would waste trying to do all that work myself right um, so and, you know you know in certain ways like doing that kind of work you know, for a couple of years, you get a good understanding, um, but it becomes hard to, um, if you get too deep in that type of work that isn't really focused on your business, it gets hard, harder and harder to like pull yourself out of it and start to give control of it to somebody else. You know, I, I, the, the corporation I work for is a great company and uh, I never had a, I had never had a, uh, like a job job. And my boss, I was a, uh, I was director of business development and we'd go into the financial planning bit, uh, meetings and he wouldn't let me in. And I was like, Oh, butthurt, you know, because I wanted to go, I mean, I was a big part of that. Right. And so I, I one day I said, Hey man, what, you know, my, why, why, why am I not allowed in these meetings? He goes, you are Wyatt Earp. You're a gunslinger. You're not a caretaker. If you see the dead bodies and what we have to do to them and how we have to distribute those dead bodies, 
<laughs> you won't go out and kill people as, as quickly. Yeah. More of the story was, is that I was in the business of bringing money in, not watching the money go out. He wanted me nowhere near where that money went out because the illusion is if you look at the fine, the fine numbers is you get a little depressed if you're the money maker. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that the knowing your numbers is absolutely huge. I don't want to, I don't want to have people misunderstand. Um, I get reports every day is, is my request for reports every day. Yeah. I want to know where we're at in our financial. It's the, it's the pulse, the heart rate. It's, it, it's all the vitals that a doctor or an EMT or a paramedic would look for. Yeah. But once you get successful, like where you're at right now, listen, not even to that level. Once you're confused on your finances, hire a CPA, hire a bookkeeper. It's not that expensive. Yeah. Yeah. CPA should be your best friend. They'll keep you out of hot water. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've had a CPA. I have, I actually, I have multiple bookkeepers. I have one that's focused like, that's just a specialist in the one software we use. That's like our main database software. Um, and then we have, my mom is actually like the day-to-day -day bookkeeper entering awesome. information into QuickBooks and, you know, sending emails out. Um, so even within something like bookkeeping, sometimes you have to have multiple different, you know, people. So we have a day-to-day -day bookkeeper, kind of like a month-to-month, week-to-week bookkeeper. And then we have the CPA who helps us with taxes and then helps answer, um, you know, complicated questions. And I tell you what, like, um, we're still learning and changing and um, changing the way we do everything all the time. Well, and I'll tell you, every time there's an administration change, you know, new taxes come in, the tax yeah. laws are so confusing. You, you, there's just no way that you, you got to be very careful. You get yourself in hot water real quick. So what's the best piece of business advice uh, or personal advice, anything that's related back to your business? What's the best, best thing that you've either heard or been told? The best one I've heard is to focus on process rather than goals. So I've kind of, I've switched to um, not, I mean, I have goals and targets to hit, but I'm not like focused on those. I'm more focused on, you know, so the way I look at it is the goal kind of sets the target and then you come up with a process and you follow that process. And so, cause sometimes, you know, you can come up with a really good process and you just get unlucky and you hit, you, you don't hit the goal, right? And then you think your process is bad where your process was actually good and you were just unlucky for whatever reason. Um, and then the opposite is true too. Sometimes you could have your goal and have a really bad process and you can hit your goal by accident. Um, so th the way I look at it is I try to come up with a process for something and then I try to iterate it over multiple times and then try to gather information and intelligence based on that. Because uh, in a lot of ways, I have gone down the wrong path because I've accidentally hitting goals, right? That, and my, I just, with a bad process. Um, so 
You ever, you ever, you ever take and, and wish for something and want to have it happen? You're going to build this part of your business up and you, you build it up and you go, oh shit, what did I do that for? Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not where I wanted to go. Right. Yeah. You, you and I geek out on books every time we're yeah. together. One of the first yeah. things to talk about how important is reading for not just an entrepreneur, but for a person. Oh, it's, it's huge for me. I mean, we're so lucky that all, all that information's out there. All these people have learned all these lessons that we can learn from. So, uh, but the thing too is though, sometimes when, when it comes to books, like you can overload yourself with information and then not take action, right? And I think we see this happening a lot with like the YouTube situation. You can go learn like watch somebody polish a car on YouTube and then think you have the knowledge, but you really don't have it till you put it to work. So, um, look, I, I, you know, I read a lot of books and I actually listen to a lot of books more nowadays, audiobooks like on my drive. Um, um, and I try to put some of the information to work um, because you really don't learn. I mean, you learn stuff from reading, but you really don't learn until you're actually physically like implementing something. Now it's, you know, I, I, you bring up a great point because what I've tried to do, like I'm, I'm, I just started the book that you gave me when you're up here. Yeah. So what, and the reason why I'm slow to do that is because I just finished the other one. I'm going to send you, or I'm going to bring yeah. down to you. The reason why is now I've put a little bit of gap in between books so I can put what I learned into action. Yeah. Because what I learned as I was reading, 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 listening, listening, listening. And I was never putting into practice all these ideas I had. Absolutely. But, so that's what that why that book that I gave you is one of the more influential ones for me. It's because this actually has a process for implementation, right? Like it actually tells you take these sticky notes and put them in these quadrants. To understand so it creates a whole framework um and uh so what this book is it's a it's a book about kind of building a business plan and it has a it's called the business model canvas right so what it does and so the one of the main things that it taught me was uh that the product is only a small part of the business, right? There's this whole, it's just one little quadrant area of the business. And, you know, there's your vendor relationships, your customer relationships, your, your value proposition, right? There's, uh, and then there's all the different aspects of your business, whether it's accounting and bookkeeping, um, or, you know, marketing and sales and customer service. Um, so man, the bit, the, like to me, the, the product part of the business is like 10% of the business and the same thing for detailing, really like detailing, you know, the detailing part is kind of the easy part. Like I can't imagine like, you know, detailing is such a skills based, especially when you get into the higher end and these guys that have like, um, you know, dozens of employees or even, you know, a couple employees to try to keep employees, you know, working at a high level um, in such a perfection based industry. Like, it's tough. like if I got thrown into it, I wouldn't be good at managing that type of uh, situation. 
but you know that there's a lot of detailers and I've got a lot of customers out there that have shops that have, you know, multiple employees um, and they're very successful. So it can be done, but I, I do know that talking to um, a lot of these shops, how, how hard it is. Right. And the same thing happened with my business. Hiring the first employees was very difficult. You know, hiring the first three or four employees was difficult. And then we just got better and better at it. And now we have a system in place for hiring new employees. Um, so, well, you know, it's, we were just talking about this. We we're up, we we're up at the, uh, the PNS at the, the manufacturing facility in Hayward, um, Northern California. Yeah. And you know, your culture, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I went through the factory. We we're, we've got a new program we're starting. It's pretty cool. And I was talking to all the, you know, all the forklift drivers and the guys making the products and the guys shipping. And, you know, the newest person was, there was, there was two, two guys that were two years. Another one was three years. Then it jumped up to like seven. Uh, but the majority were 10 to 28 years. Wow. And, and it says a lot about your culture. It says a lot about your, your core values. It says a lot about um, kind of what you develop as a workplace. Everybody thinks about money when they hire. Listen, you got to be a thousand. You got to be 2000% vested into hiring somebody. You've got to be ready for that. You've got to be able to pay it the right amount. You've got to be able to keep legitimize it, meaning don't bring on that whole bullshit on, 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 you know, 1099 contractors, man. If we had to go through that again and tell people, if you're listening, you don't know, and you've got a, you're, you've hired on a 1099 contractor and you're in a service business, it's most likely illegal. I got bad news for you. Uh, there's some parameters. We'll get into that on another discussion, but you know, until you're ready to hire those people on and make it legitimate and pay them well, give them benefits, give them a really good work environment. And until you're the, until you're the man or the woman, uh, a good boss, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It's a hundred percent tough. And the first employee is extremely tough. Even if you do good hiring, like it just took us, it took us years to figure it out and to be comfortable with it um, and to come up with resources, right. To help the employees. Um, and we've hired bad people, um, people that were toxic to the culture. Um, but, you know, going through those pains have, we've kind of come out the other end and now we have a really good team of guys. Um, and, and your mom, how cool is that? Yeah. My mom, you know, my sister works for me too. My sister pretty much runs the business. She, really? Um, yeah, yeah. She does the day, all the day-to-day -day work. All the, she does. She's doing all the stuff that I used to do. You know, all talking to customers, stuff. writing up orders. You know, customer service. That's awesome. So um, it's been a huge for me to have um, good people that you know care about the work and. You know, they all make pretty good money. And man, I'm willing to pay so much more for a good employee that's going to, you know, solve problems. So he, this is one thing that um, I've run into is uh, like at the beginning, you know, if you start to micromanage somebody and I don't understand, like, I think it's going to be very difficult in detailing uh, to not micromanage somebody, but it becomes a burden when you're like 
trying to overmanage somebody and then they can't make any decision on their own. Like every decision, they're coming back to you, right? And in a lot of ways, it was my fault for overmanaging. Um, but now I, I've got people and they all understand like, it's okay if they make a mistake, right? So if somebody makes a mistake, as long as they learn from the mistake, that mistake can pay dividends in the oh. long run, because now they've learned from the mistake. They know we've come up with a thought process to solve the problem. And now they never have to come back to me with the problem. Um, so at the beginning, like I used to get mad and upset if somebody did something wrong. And now it's like, there's no upside to getting angry or right. Yeah. There's just no way, you know, like, and the world's different now, right? Like people just aren't as accepting of a toxic workplace. No. Right? So, so I would say we actually kind of have a toxic workplace, like even like five or six years ago when I was first learning to hire people. Uh, but now everyone here is happy and we're very calm. There's never fights. No one ever raises their voice. If there's a mistake, we fix it and we move on and improve. So, so what, uh, so, so all this business, you're a busy guy, uh, and yeah. I hate you're busy, but I mean, you are, you're, you're very productive. What do you do to escape all that? What's some of your escapes? So m music is the number one thing for me. Um, I've always liked music. Um, I've got a what minor. What's that? What type of music? I mean, I like all kinds of music. I like electronic music. I like rock, reggae, rap. Like I like classical music. Mm -hmm. um, so I even I love opera. Yeah. You know, opera is actually one that I'm not a huge fan of, but I can tell you that I actually went uh, right after I got out of college, I went and traveled in Europe and I went to a couple operas and when it's in person, it's amazing. It's unreal. Unreal. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the, the, the skill level um, and the story, right? So I was watching Italian operas and, you know, you can laugh and cry without understanding the language at all. Um, it's amazing. So how important is it for to get that escape time? You know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur and everything's going on, is it, can you, can you, is, can you tell a difference when you haven't had enough, you time? Oh, absolutely. So for me, I mean, a lot of what I do now for the business is creative stuff. So I'm like trying to be creative, you know, coming solving problems of coming up with new products or whether it's like building website stuff to, uh, to market and sell the products. Um, so a lot of the work I'm doing now takes a lot of creativity. Um, and you there's you only have so much mental capacity to do that in a day or even you know so my mental state like most people fluctuates like sometimes i'm just high on life and i've got all these ideas flowing and then other times i'm like man i can't solve any problem i'm tired i can't get it done um and so yeah i mean sometimes just taking a break going for a walk playing music so I'll, let me put it this way. Um, like I'm at my desk most of the day, um, but 
I usually don't like this right here, this conversation will be the longest that I sit at the desk. Um, I get up every 10 or 15 minutes, whether it's to go walk to look out the window or to grab a drink of water or to wash my hands or something like uh, I even if I'm doing like a menial like uh, data entry task, I will stop every 10 or 15 minutes. Um, even just for a couple minutes. So, um, but yeah, even on a um, on a longer time frame, um, like on the weekends, I don't answer any messages, even if I'm working. Right, like I don't answer any Facebook or Instagram or text messages. I pretty much just don't even look at them during the weekend. Yeah, you have to have that time away. So it. Yeah. If you could share one piece of advice with, with entrepreneurs, what would it be? Man, I would say just keep grinding it out and don't give up on yourself um, and keep testing. So uh, I kind of think of my business as like a, it's kind of like a science experiment, right? So you come up with a hypothesis and then you kind of test that. And then you analyze the results. It's kind of, have you ever heard of an OODA loop? Yes. O-O-D-A. Yeah. What is it? It's a uh, observe, orient, um, O-O-D, decide and act, right? It's actually like a military thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think for entrepreneurs and building a business, like lots of people have these questions about, you know, how should I price you know, this service or this product or whatever, or customers are, or uh, uh, detailers complain about their customer complaining about the price. And so they kind of like race to the bottom in price. And I, I feel like you should always be testing and modifying your pricing and adjusting your marketing and the value, how you're uh, conveying the value to your customer. Um, so I feel like all those things should be changed and modified and people look for advice from other detailers across the country. And lots of times that advice doesn't apply. It, it, it's even true. Like even with in my, you know, niche of the industry with microfiber, like my customers are different than the rag companies customers or, um, you know, whoever else is selling towels out there. Like, even when we have discussions, like there's certain nuances that are different with our customers. Um, Absolutely. You've got a lot of shared customers that might buy something from you, but yeah. buy something from them. And they, you know, it, it, we, we had a, we had a, one of our customers really, she was the first female to ever own an H1 Hummer. She sold Schwarzenegger, his house up in yeah. Sunday, Idaho. Schwarzenegger signed the dash of the Hummer, but she used, she used two of us. She used ourselves yeah. and it calls ultra shine. So I asked her one day, I said, why do you use both of us? And she goes, because both of you are very reputable and I want to be, I want to show support for the companies in the, in the, in the, in the community that I like. And I thought that was cool that she made sure to give us both enough business every year. Uh, we got the Hummer. The other guy didn't, by the way, <laughs> so, uh, we did have the edge, but you know what? I appreciated that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Is, I yeah. never, matter of fact, 
one day she says, oh, man, she goes, I really need the Audi done. Uh, Carl's a little backed up. Should I have you do it? And I said, no, wait for Carl. He's a good guy. You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, and I to admired. Me, that's actually, right? So that is one of the best sales techniques ever is to, when you can kind of like let your customer go and say, hey, look, like the actual the competition might be a little bit better at this than me. Like that creates so much. Uh oh, did I lose you? Nope, you're good. You're good. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So they create a lot like trust. So I have always tried to be as truthful as possible with my customers. And there's been times when I've been on the like I've had customers call looking for a specific product, and after talking to them, they're looking for you know, the rag company's specific towel. And I'm like, oh, like, and I'll take them to the rag company website and show them the product and be like, look, you know, buy from them. They're a great company. Um, yeah, I, same thing. Like I've had microfiber madness products, you know, yeah. uh, any of the, you know, towel pros, you know, people, because lots of times customers get confused about who they're calling, you know, they, you know, calling a microfiber company. We, we just had our, our student that was here last week, a week, a week ago, uh, their training. And I saw him Monday night and he goes, look, I've got an opportunity to go train with XYZ company. And yeah. he goes, what do you think? And he says, I, it was already included in a package I bought for another training. And I said, dude, why wouldn't you? It's more knowledge. Yeah. And he goes, really? Yeah. I said, why wouldn't you, man? You're going to pick something out of everything that you do. And if you've already got the time allotment, it's already paid for you've got to go pick up that knowledge, man. There's going to be at least fairy dust or some, some, some silver dust, if not some nuggets in there, gold nuggets, go pick them up. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean? I'm not threatened by yeah, somebody else's business. When, matter no. of fact, I think <laughs> I am so scared of what we do, you know? Uh oh, we did lose them a little bit there. Now we got we we lost you a little bit. Um, so let's see if Ian, are you there? Yeah, let's yeah. see if we can get you back. You locked yeah, up. Yeah, losing something. Uh oh, he's locked up. Yeah, Chris, can, can you hear me? I can, I can hear you. You there? Gotcha. We're a little locked up, but oh, I. Oh boy, yeah. Okay, I'm here. I, I can hear I you. Got you how, do people, how, do, how do people the, connect the video social media and uh, if they want to the, the voice? Yeah, yeah, we lost. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Well, hey, let's wrap email, this up. Email, Never email, get connection email, at any time. But, um, uh, Ian, it's a pleasure to take it. Cool. Right on, Ian. Hey, we got, for some reason, we got a bad connection. But yeah. good talking to you, my friend. And uh, yeah, you take absolutely. care. And uh, it's always a pleasure. We'll be down your direction soon. And we'll do this again live down at your place. Awesome, bro. I appreciate it. Oh, you Thank guys you. seem to be back. Yeah, I'm <laughs> back. So, so, hey, you are. So, if people want to reach out to you, let's go back over this. If people want to reach out to you, how do they do it? People are going to want to connect with you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can find 
Autofiber and me on Facebook, Autofiber on Instagram, um, Ian at Autofiber if you want to email me, um, and autofiber.com is the website. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty open to, like, if you email me, I'll respond. Um, so email is definitely the best. He's got some really initial. We we need to uh, this week. I've got to, I've got to drive up to base uh, Thursday mid afternoon. Maybe if you've got time, let's talk about the products that you left behind. I got a lot of great input. Yeah, uh, we're testing them out and stuff. So if you guys want innovative products, I mean this guy's it. A great company, great man, great support of the industry. You know what I like about Ian? I'm going to do a little bragging before we leave. He sees the good in people. He really does. I've watched him take people. And, and, and friends of his that he's made in the industry. And he really wants, uh, we always talk about different people in the industry and he's a, he's a builder. He's not a stripper. He's not a, he's not a grenade. He's, he's a, he, he's a rocket. He wants people to take and in, in, in excel in business. Uh, and I love seeing that. I love seeing yeah, that well, he's very honest. Man, I can tell you that some of the best customers I have and the best relationships have come from a product failure, right? So like, we had a problem, a product that had a defect or a linting towel or something. And because, you know, we decided not to, you know, fight with the customer over it and, you know, send them replacements or come up with a better solution for their product, you know. So a, a lot of, and I learned this early in business that a lot of the best relationships and customers actually come from a dispute. Um, and I've even found this out with dealing with, you know, microfiber factories overseas. Like when we first started this, we've gone through dozens and dozens of different factories, like just ordering small orders. And we filtered out the ones that, you know, didn't stand by their products um, and didn't stand by the manufacturing and, you know, would make excuses. So, you know, I'm not going to, act like uh, companies that I don't want to do business with, right? So I'm always trying to apply the golden rule um, and kind of treat people how I want to be treated. Um, and so whenever, man, whenever a mistake happens and somebody blows it, um, I'm always super forgiving and try to come up with a solution. I'm never going to, you know, blaming people doesn't really solve anything. No, you know, coming up with solutions is what it does. And I'll tell you what, like, uh, like people say, like we're innovative and everything, but really the innovations come from the customers, right? I'm actually, I'm not a detailer, even though I know how to detail and I know everything about the whole industry. I'm not out there detailing cars every day and using all these new products and everything. And um, I can't tell you, our customers come to us with problems and come up with different solutions and we have debates and discussions about it. And that's where all these new and different products come from is from our customers. They really don't come from me. No. So it's like I tell people when we're training with them, man, I learned something from everybody, you know, the newest, yeah. we had a young guy, you'll love this. We had a young guy come through training uh, earlier this month he's our youngest person ever he's just getting his driver's license <laughs> he came to our monday night event he he walked away he's been detailing 
he just did his um his we you know we try to rewire people's way of thinking when they get here and he goes hey man i just had my first interaction get this he did a he did a single stage correction with coding six hundred dollars so as we're sitting there talking i said okay well how many hours how long did you have into it he goes four hours and i i looked at the crowd and i said listen he's gonna be 17 in two days he's making 125 dollars an hour what's your excuse yeah you know is it's everybody wants to limit themselves on what they're worth don't yeah Hey, Ian, thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for putting so much back into other people. I appreciate our friendship, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. We'll be down in San Diego next month. I'll make sure to take and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll line it up uh, ahead of time. We'll come down awesome. and see you for an afternoon, see the facility. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's always great. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Randy, real quick, I've had some requests for you to share that book again. Can you hold oh, it okay. up? And You bet. This is Ian. This is thanks to Ian right there. Ian, you want to yeah. talk, talk, tell him about it a little bit again? And it's yes. uh, here, scoot it over. It's business model generation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually kind of, um, it's like an, I, what's it called? It's like, it comes from, uh, the tech industry and it's a lot about, it's like an agile production technique. So it comes from like software, the software industry about how they're constantly like using like a feedback loop to, um, to change their products and their systems. Um, but what it, what it does really well is it helps you um, kind of build a framework for understanding the different parts of your business. Um, and you'll see that the actual detailing part of your business is just a tiny little piece of your business. Um, and there's all these other relationships and all these other ideas um, that it helps you build out. So the cool thing about it is it's just not reading a book. It actually gives you like step-by-step -step processes. You, what you do is it's this, it's a, like a framework or a canvas with all these different quadrants in it. And you um, use post-it notes to kind of build out and visualize your business. So I knew that Rennie would like it because he talks about mind maps, which are things that I use all the time. Like I even, I mean, I've got all these pieces of paper, like I've got a mind map of my, the different brands in my it. business, right? So I've got them sitting all over, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got them hanging. Like these are actually old ones. This was, <laughs> we talked about a bunch of this stuff. Like this was from a few years ago of uh, the organization of my business. But the cool thing um, about the book is it actually has like a specific business framework for organizing your thoughts because that man for me and i'm big into thinking and reading and learning and stuff but organizing thoughts is huge and using you know visual cues for understanding stuff um makes a huge difference um so that's why i thought that you would really like that book and i wanted to show it to you so that um, I feel like, man, you could use that in all of your trainings. Well, it's, it's going to change the way of, you know, I just dove into it and I'm taking my time with it because again, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to dive into it until I can put it into practice. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's awesome. You know, what's funny is I, uh, this is a funny story. So, um, about 10 years ago, I started learning and golf is another thing that I really like. Um, so when I started learning golf, that's right when I was reading that book and I actually created a whole, like I took it and reframe worked it for learning how to play golf. Right. Cause there's two sides to golf. There's the internal mental game and then there's the external game and the strategy game to it. And it's kind of like the same framework for business. Um, so there's a reason why a lot of business owners and business people play golf is because there, uh, there's these parallel ways of thinking. And when you have to go through and learn how to play golf, but anyway, it's kind of a side note. I recreated the whole business model That's framework cool. to help me learn how to play golf. And it really made a huge difference in how I played the game. I just shared this with our command in the guard and we're building a whole new search and rescue program as we speak and yeah. lead on it. And already what I've learned from it this weekend, we're going to put into practice on building the structure for the next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, it's an amazing, if you guys want to pick it up, business model generation, name of it um it's huge i'll bring it back yeah down. there's actually there's a website too um for it you can even man there it even has its own uh it has its own um wikipedia page where you can even learn about it on wikipedia um so and yeah. then there's also a course it, there's a udacity course on oh, it wow. um yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a court. If you ever use Udacity, which is like an online learning program, they have a course um, that helps walk you through. Um, I think there might be a post-it note on the inside of the front page with the name of the course in there. Is that still there? Yep, it is. Uh, right. like, I, I've actually, man, I've given that book to like four or five different business owner friends to help it's, them build the framework. You got yeah. it. It's a great book. And uh Chris, I think before I take it down to Ian next month, I'm going to have you uh, read it before I take it back because it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Might might have right, to cool. shop copy. So, all right, buddy. Cool. Well, hey, man, it's always good catching up with you. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll see you down in San Diego. If you see Jocko, tell him I said hi. <laughs> I will. All right, guys. All right, bro. Hey, happy detailing all. We'll talk. We'll talk to you next time.